This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fit the Mission. Twitter was originally envisioned as a global town square, a public meeting place for exchanging ideas, gossip, and news. I'm not sure what we can call it anymore, and that was true even before Elon Musk took it over more than two weeks ago. Twitter has become a very complicated company since its founding in 2006. It's been blamed for ruining democracies, accused of becoming advertising-driven, rather than people-driven. And now the town square has a new mayor, the world's richest man, who's also hell-bent on changing the platform in ways that can best be described as chaotic. Here's a quick reminder of everything that's gone down since Elon Musk moved in. Half of Twitter's employees were laid off. Advertisers pulled back. Musk warned that the company could go bankrupt. The $8 verification check marks caused parody accounts to pop up. And now federal regulators are on alert as content moderation policies hang in the balance. It's no exaggeration to say that the town square is experiencing a meltdown. Someone who's been following it closely is Casey Newton. He's the editor and founder of Platformer, a newsletter that examines big tech and democracy. And he's the co-host of the New York Times podcast, Hard Fork. Newton is also a former Chronicle reporter, and he's become a leading voice in tech journalism. We spoke on Friday, the morning after a tumultuous day at Twitter. Musk had just demanded all employees to return to in-person work and two more key executives had quit. Today on Fifth Admission, Casey Newton shares what's been going down inside the company's San Francisco headquarters and where he sees the tech industry heading as other companies like Meta and Salesforce have also laid off workers. Here's my conversation with Casey Newton, which was recorded on Friday. Casey, since taking over Twitter, Elon Musk has made a lot of disruptive changes, to put it mildly. How would you characterize his priorities at the moment? Well, his stated top priority is to fight bots and spam. All the Twitter employees got an email late Wednesday night that said that. But in terms of what has actually changed about the product, his biggest priority has been rolling out this new subscription, which replaced the old Twitter Blue, replaced the old verification scheme, and uh, introduced a bunch of chaos. So chaos has really been the priority on the product front. Mm. And part of that chaos, most notably, he's laid off half of the company's staff. Some key executive personnel have already left, which now leaves the company in a precarious state. What key roles or functions are now defunct at Twitter. Over the past day or so, the company has lost its head of trust and safety. It's lost its chief privacy officer. It's lost its chief information security officer. And then just a lot of people on trust and safety and risk management compliance teams. So sort of a lot of folks who would be responsible for handling user data, keeping user data safe, those roles aren't really being filled at the moment. And it's an open question how quickly they'll be filled or whether they'll be filled at all. And for users, from a user standpoint, which of these changes are most concerning? 
Well, I think it depends on what sort of user you are. If you're just kind of a casual user of the platform, I don't think there's reason to panic just yet. But if you're a journalist, an activist, a dissident, you and you're using Twitter direct messages, for example, which are not encrypted, I think there's some real concern about what could happen with that. You know, sometimes location data can be used against the users of a platform, right? Law enforcement can request it. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot that we don't know about how the Musk regime is going to handle user data and privacy. And, and I do think it, it creates concerns for uh, certain groups of folks. Mm. Now, there have been reports that say there's been a notable surge in hate speech almost immediately after Musk took over Twitter. And though Musk says Twitter usage is at an all-time high, I'm seeing a lot of users in my network leave because of fears around things like that. What should we believe? Yeah, I mean, you know, I haven't done my own quantitative analysis. It is true that the policies at Twitter had not changed around hate speech, at least, you know, not yet, not in ways that are public. But we also know that a small group of accounts, something like 300 of them, had sort of made a concerted effort to post a bunch of hate speech on the site. And so a lot of that was really visible and a lot of people saw it and and it was really unfortunate. Twitter is a platform where a small number of people can do a lot of damage uh, if they want to. And it, it seems like they did. And so many people are thinking about these layoffs right now. A class action suit was filed against Twitter alleging some labor violations. Now, Elon Musk has had a history of labor violations at other companies like Tesla. How have legal or labor experts weighed in on the way that Musk has implemented layoffs and other changes at Twitter? Yeah, so in California, if you're going to lay people off, you're supposed to give them 60 days notice under something called the WARN Act. And that did not happen in this case. However, myself and my reporting partner, Zoe Schiffer, when we've talked to labor attorneys, what they've said to us is that if there is a violation, the penalty for that is usually just back pay. So if you got laid off and they didn't give you your 60 days notice, but they pay you for 60 days, it all is just kind of a wash. And so the attorneys we've spoken to say, this feels like an it's all a wash situation. Now, I'm sure the lawsuits will continue and you know maybe there'll be some extra money in there for folks besides the lawyers, but I'm not expecting that to be a huge hindrance to Elon at the moment. What about things like this sudden change to the remote work? policy. I mean, is changing something like that roughly also problematic? Yeah, so it is problematic to just call people back into the office and not give them reasonable accommodations, right? It's obviously very disruptive if you've been, you know, working in some part of the world where there's not a Twitter office nearby and you get this email basically in the middle of the night saying you need to be at work when the sun comes up. I'm sure that courts would be sympathetic to those workers. I think the question is, how much legal wiggle room does he have in his memo to the staff? He did sort of say, if there's like a physical reason why you can't make it to the office, you don't have to. So I'm sure that's just one of many things that will be litigated in the months to come. Now, people come to you to share about what's happening internally. What are you hearing from employees who have been able to stay? What's morale like with Musk as their new boss? I mean, I think generally it's it's pretty low. This is a time where they've just lost half of their colleagues. They've just been called back to the office. In the first meeting that Musk held with them, he told them that bankruptcy was not out of the question. And keep in mind, this site was not doing too badly, right? Like Twitter makes billions of dollars a year. It has hundreds of millions of users. It was not in a crisis before Musk acquired it. And now two weeks in, it feels like, that these employees are in the middle of a crisis. So it's a really sad and scary time, and a lot of folks are looking for other work. Now, at the same time, a lot of brands have paused their ad spending on Twitter. 
like you mentioned, he warned the B-word bankruptcy for the company. What do you think? Do you think Musk has the ability to make smart business decisions here to keep Twitter afloat? Twitter Blue's already been suspended. That's one of the latest updates. And people look at things like that and just chalk it up to, oh, he's just an idiot. But is he? Does he know what he's doing, Casey? Um, You know, he's made a bunch of decisions that I wouldn't make. And he has people inside who are saying to him, if you do this, here are the negative consequences that will follow. And then so far, he has chosen to do it anyway, and the negative consequences followed, you know? So there are some people that think Twitter basically needs to be burned to the ground and started over. I'm not one of those people. If you're one of those people, maybe you think that this is all, you know, some sort of master plot uh, and that, you know, it's all playing out according to plan. But when I look at it, I just see a bunch of really unfortunate decisions that are destroying a lot of value. After a quick break, Casey Newton will share if he thinks Twitter can be replaced by another social media platform and whether San Francisco is losing its edge in the tech sector. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Other big tech news this week, Meta cut 11,000 jobs, which is about 13% of their workforce. Mark Zuckerberg said that he had overestimated the revenue growth of the company, which he saw at the start of the pandemic. Now, tech has always been very cyclical. You know this tends to be high highs, low lows. And the last time we saw this kind of big upheaval was in the year 2000. That's when tech stocks took a huge tumble. Is this kind of a repeat of that? What do you think? I don't think so. I think, you know, the dot-com bust was a situation where you had a bunch of companies that had no real revenue and were going public based on hope. And then a bunch of like public pension funds bought those stocks. And then we were sort of in a crisis. Right now, what you've seen in tech is some relatively minor layoffs, I would say. Like on on one hand, yes, the the meta layoffs were the biggest layoffs in the company's history. On the other hand, while the company laid off 11,000 people this year, they had hired more than 15,000. So in a lot of ways, the company is just sort of rewinding back to where it was in, I don't know, February, March. So I think, look, this is, you know, every layoff is sad for for the people who are involved and I'm sure it will have unpredictable effects on the company. But I think we also just need to keep in mind how quickly these companies were hiring. Mm -hmm. And I think it speaks to the fact that they're just kind of making what feels like a, a an important but not catastrophic correction to that. Mm. So the, it's a course correction to the pandemic growth, in other words. That's what I think. Now, look, there could still be a recession and that could have a lot of effects. And, you know, we may look on this as a really tumultuous and, and bad time financially, but like so far, it doesn't seem nearly as catastrophic as the dot-com bust. Right. Now, what would happen for San Francisco or the Bay Area, for that matter, if Twitter collapses? We're already seeing people move to cities like Austin. Is this sort of indicating maybe the region's going to lose its dominance in this sector? 
I think that in some ways, yes, you know, during the pandemic, we saw a lot of people go to Austin. We saw a lot of people go to Miami. And, you know, there are some people who just don't like San Francisco and want to go live elsewhere. And, um, you know, some people have speculated that Elon Musk might move Twitter headquarters to Austin, uh, for example, mm-hmm. right? He's, he does a lot of business in Texas. So I think that could happen. But, you know, I'm a San Francisco optimist. I love San Francisco. I think it's the greatest city in the world. I don't know why you wouldn't want to live here if you could. And I just think that a lot of like young tech founders as they're, you know, getting ready to start their companies are going to feel the same way. So I do think that over time, you're going to see the tech industry become more distributed. But that's also because tech is in everything. Every company is a tech company, right? And, and, and it wouldn't make sense if every tech company in the world were in San Francisco. So I think tech will still be a very healthy sector of the economy. I think it's going to go through a rough time. But, you know, San Francisco always comes back. Hmm. Now, I posed this question to Emily Dreyfus uh, recently on the show. She's someone you used to work with, a former yeah. colleague, I believe. Yeah. And I asked her about whether or not she would stay on the Twitter platform. And she said, absolutely, yes. It's essential for her work. How do you feel? Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, it's a big part of how I I get news. It's it's how I understand where the conversation is. It's a place where I have met sources over the years. And then it's also how I run my business. Like I write three mm-hmm. newsletters a week. I tweet every single one of them. And embedded in every one of those tweets is a link where people can come and see my newsletter and subscribe if they want to. So, you know, Twitter is a huge way that I find customers. And that's why I was not going to hesitate to pay eight bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, whatever it is, like, because for mm-hmm. me, it's like, it's it's a marketing and distribution tool. Um, mm-hmm. You know, look, are, are there things I can imagine happening that would make me say, okay, I've got to get out of here? Sure. But I haven't seen anything like that yet. Mm-hmm. And is Twitter replaceable, Casey? People are naming Mastodon as an alternate platform. Can another platform take its place and what Twitter's legacy has been for like two decades? Yeah, I mean, I think generally when these things get replaced, they don't look identical, right? So like TikTok replaced a lot of the time people were spending on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, but it doesn't look exactly like those. And in fact, those companies are now trying to make themselves look more like TikTok. I can imagine a world where someone figures out some kind of text-based social network that doesn't look identical to Twitter, but takes advantage of people's desire to want to know what's happening in the world right this second, and is able to build a good business around that. And in fact, I think there's probably never been a better time to start a Twitter competitor right now because people do smell blood in the water and a lot of people are hungry for an alternative. So yeah, if you're Mm -hmm. out there, you're thinking about starting a Twitter clone, I say go for it. Now, there are so many layers and threads to follow when it comes to Musk and Twitter. What storyline do you think you'll be following most closely in the weeks and months to come? I mean, I think there are a lot of questions uh, around how they're going to handle user data. Um, You know, uh, I I broke the story that there was a privacy lawyer who was warning companies internally that engineers are now being ordered to, quote, self-certify their work and essentially say whatever product we've just developed will meet the demands that we're currently under by the Federal Trade Commission. That seems very unlikely to me that these engineers are going to be very good at knowing the FTC consent decree, right? And then what happens with stuff like, you know, DMs? What happens with the site reliability? Does it start to experience some real outages, you know? I'm just kind of looking for like what's going to start breaking in the background more than anything. Casey, such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for your insights. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Casey Newton is the co-host of the New York Times technology podcast, Hard Fork. He's also the founder and editor of Platformer, a daily newsletter about the intersection of tech and democracy. To check it out and to subscribe, visit platformer.com. 
sfchronicle.news. For ongoing coverage of Twitter, visit sfchronicle.com and the Chronicle app. Thanks to King Kaufman for editing the episode and to you for listening.